Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, and have test results delivered automatically to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Join the thousands of parents who are already benefiting from Soberlink by visiting www.soberlink.com backslash family law. For a limited time, get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. People are just craving connection. And whether it's virtual or whether it's in person, um, you know, we would post these pictures of us doing social things like dinners and we had a lot of cookouts. We just continued to get this this uh, these inquiries of, hey, can I come to your party? I want to be part of that group. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have a very special guest, a new friend who, believe it or not, I met on Instagram. Um, So my my guest today, Daniel Harold, is really a divorce dad, a longtime Tulsa native, right? I think you've lived your entire life in Tulsa, and you... Other than having been divorced yourself, you had nothing to do with the world of divorce. You were in commercial real estate, and suddenly you find yourself in a rather, um, I'm just going to call it an exploding situation in uh, the post-divorce world. Um, So I'm very excited to have Daniel with me here today to talk about this. Uh, But first, we're going to talk about, if it's okay with you, Daniel, I want to talk about the Instagram post that caught my attention. (laughs) The post. (laughs) The post. Well, you know what? I mean, first off, let me just say, it immediately grabbed my attention um, because you don't see men posting on Instagram emotional content. And this was a post about your divorce, about your relationship with your ex-wife, which is good, I'm happy to say. And most importantly, and this is really what grabbed me, was what you wanted your daughters to know about your relationship with their mom and how you you compared your actions, like what you were doing with how your daughters were going to then understand that you were that that you loved them and you honored their mother. So could you just tell us a little bit about the genesis of that Absolutely. that Instagram post? Absolutely. Um, and thank you for having me on the 
on your podcast. Thank season. you for coming. Uh, I should have said that earlier. No, that's good. Um, you know, that was that was somewhat of an emotional blog post, and um, it was something that I felt needed to get out. As a matter of fact, um, I sent that the the draft of that to my ex-wife to have her review it and just make sure it was all kosher on her side. And she actually commented in the uh, the commentary. So, um, you know, when we were, when I was going through kind of the pre-divorce, actually pre-separation, and we had, we'd had some very hard conversations, um, we knew that where this was headed, I just took the mindset that, okay, if, if this divorce occurs, um, number one is, I wanted to make sure that I took care of my ex and I have reasons for that um, in a financial way. And number two is what's the legacy that I give my kids? What do I impress them upon my kids of how their dad treated their mom? Because I, I didn't want to get in a situation where they sided with one or the other, where we're bad mouthing each other on either side. And I wanted them to know, you know what? Um, dad took care of mom. And I, I took care of mom because um, she chose early in our marriage to take the role of a of watching the kids and raising the kids and bypassed her career uh, for the better part of our 22-year marriage. And so my philosophy was this was a partnership from the get-go where she sacrificed her career aspirations. And so why shouldn't, why shouldn't I feel obligated to take care of her because it enabled me to, to you know, achieve my career aspirations? So that was really a lot of the philosophy behind it is this was a partnership. He could have been making the same level of income and financial growth as I could have if she had worked for 22 years, but she chose not to. And so um, I really felt like I needed to um, make sure that that was equitable. And then I think secondly is I just wanted, I wanted years from now for my kids to be able to say, you know what, um, there were some positive things that came out of my mom and dad splitting and my dad and mom were amicable. They were friendly and, and dad made sure that mom was taken care of. That was really important to me. Well, and, and the post is, you know, I've used the word poignant because you wrote it from that perspective of what I want my daughters to know. And then you point out how your actions you know, met with what the expectations you held for yourself were uh, so that your daughters would know that you respected their mother and that you loved them. And I just wonder, you know, one, how hard was it to put something vulnerable like that out there? You know, I, don't, I think I'm a unique bird in the male in the male side of things in that I enjoy, I've had a lot of self-reflection over the almost two years that I've been divorced. So I'm fairly new coming out of it. And I've reflected a lot and I've verbally expressed it a lot with friends and, and family. And so, and I enjoy writing. Um, I've always enjoyed, uh, I remember back in college, I used to write letters to my dad and he'd write letters back to me, like handwritten, old school handwritten letters. <laughs> and I did that with, I actually did that with my uh, ex-wife at the time when we were dating, cause she was in a different, went to a different school. So I've always enjoyed writing. And so for me, it was, um, it was, uh, something that I was passionate about and enjoyed, but it did expose, it kind of opened up got everybody under the tent on how I felt and what my opinions are. Um, and so, you know, it's hard initially and you expect some sort of backlash, but 
the overwhelming responses had been positive, that I love hearing what what a man thinks and feels as he goes through this, because it's rare to hear that. And so I've just kind of been riding that snowball, so to speak, and continued to express how I feel. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, I saw that post and immediately reached out to you through direct messaging on Instagram to ask you to come on the show. It also, the post inspired in part some of my recent episodes. I told you I did one on toxic masculinity because we don't in general reward men for being vulnerable or expressing their emotions, especially during divorce. And we, uh, you're, you're all over that episode if you haven't listened to it. Okay, and then we also just recently did one on positive fatherhood. And again, um, that post came up because it really spoke to me of the ways that a father can make a positive impact um, in the divorce process by, by putting that thought into it that you put into it and making sure that your actions aligned with your intentions. Um, so I applaud you for that. And I'm so glad you posted it because that's how we met. Yeah, but But that's not what we're talking about today. Although I, I, again, I want to commend you for that post. But when you and I spoke right after um, I saw that post, you started to tell me about divorced over 40. And even since we spoke, I think the first time we spoke was about a month ago. And now we're taping this episode. And what has even happened in the past month is a little bit mind-blowing. So why don't you, but it, well, first let me, let me back up, you know, cause the, what it really stems from, I think is we're going to be talking a little bit about the loneliness that can occur both during, but, but especially after divorce. Um, so why don't you tell us what divorced over 40 is? Well, it, it's totally morphed, and I would say it's very fluid in terms of what we originally thought it was going to be. And uh, and a lot, of, I think a lot of it may have, it may be amplified because of COVID, and people are kind of confined to their homes, and that brings a whole new set of mental and health issues that have come up. And so we've kind of been an outlet, I think, for people that have found us. Um, you know, originally, well, let me back up at the right about the. Pre-COVID, or right around the COVID time, I kind of had this epiphany that, uh, you know, I maybe I'm, I'm going to take my foot off the gas on dating and really focus on creating and fostering new friendships. And at, like most guys, we, guys just don't tend to have really deep, meaningful friendships. When we had golf buddies and we might go fishing, but not like on a regular basis in which we're investing in each other. And, and I was in the same boat. I I probably couldn't rattle off more than a couple friends that I talk to on a regular basis. Plus, as as many that are divorced know, when you get divorced, you lose a lot of your friends. And your married couples don't necessarily want to hang out with the single guys or the single girls. And so you lose that friend group. And so I really started to invest in um, what ultimately be, became of, of six friends. And um, we decided, you know, we, we were like, you know, and this was... Oklahoma is a little bit less stringent on the COVID uh, guidelines. And so we were very active with each other socially. Um, and, you know, it really was fulfilling. It was something that um, took my eye off of dating for that, for that season. And it was very meaningful to have just the friendships, 
the return of your investment and in investing in friends. And so we had decided um, because we were just having a lot of fun and people would make fun of us. And a lot of people would say, you guys should be on a reality show. <laughs> we decided to start an Instagram account um, that basically was more of a self-deprecating view on our lives because we were all in the same boat. And we started this account uh, a little bit more than 100 days ago. I mean, it's really fresh. And um, we, we all decided we were going to start po- make our initial post to kind of introduce ourselves and maybe talk a little bit about our story, our divorce story. And the, the whole, the, the coin completely flipped. I mean, it was everybody, instead of talking about things that were lighthearted and humorous, it was very deep, raw, emotional. This is what I went through. This is what I'm experiencing. And that resonated with people so much because we were exposing it to our kind of our network of friends and family. But then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And the, and the feedback was really two things, Susan, that I've seen over the last hundred days. This applies to the loneliness concept that you thought that you brought up. Uh, there's two things that have emerged. Number one is people want to be validated for the feelings that they have during a separation, divorce, or even after a divorce. And a lot of times you feel like you're on an island or in a bubble, uh, unless you're seeking help through a therapist, which a lot don't. And you're just navigating this. It's new territory and you have no idea what you're doing. And you've got all these raw emotions that emerge. And, you know, the fact that we were expressing those in a written form was very validating to people where they said, I experienced that. Oh my gosh, that's me. Um, So that was the first thing that was kind of the eye opener. And the second one was people are just craving connection. And whether it's virtual or whether it's in person, um, you know, we would post these pictures of us doing social things like dinners and we had a lot of cookouts. We just continued to get this, this, uh, these inquiries of, hey, can I come to your party? I want to be part of that group. And it made us think, well, we, we can't just invite everyone to someone's house that we don't know. And that's when we started fostering the thought of trying to create community in Tulsa, um, of creating events where like-minded people in the same boat, in the same situation, can get together and meet each other in a non-relational, when I say that, a non-dating approached way um, and the, you know, that's just, it's blown our, our minds how, how much people want that and how successful it's been so far. Right. Well, so let's go over some of the success because you went from zero followers a hundred days ago. How many followers on that Instagram account do you have? 3,300. 3,300 organic followers, which is incredible in just a hundred days. And you had you started. I think you just mentioned having I'll call them meetups or, or gatherings in Tulsa. And you just mentioned to me before we started taping how many cities now uh, you have outreach into to, to start organizing these. Well, uh, meetups. Um, we've had a lot of people from outside of Tulsa say, "Can I come to Tulsa and participate in your events?" I mean, literally, a, a lady two weeks ago from Madrid that I'm coming to Tulsa at some point and I'm hanging out with you. And I don't think I'm cool at all. So <laughs> but it's, it's when you, when you look past it, it's the yearning for connection and a friendship circle that frankly is, is unique that we have. 
that they want. And so we said, well, we need to try to figure out a way that we can cultivate this with people that are reaching out to us in these cities. We're, we're calling them city ambassadors now. And we have literally over 25 across 25 different cities that have said, I want to lead the efforts in Chicago. I want to lead the efforts in LA, Atlanta. I mean, Montreal. I had someone from London reach out. It's crazy. And so we're trying to create a, a way in which we can educate them on what we did. How did we do it to create just this unique environment of friendships? Um, and, you know, Oklahoma City, which is, has already kind of started to do their activities. They had a, they had a happy hour uh, about three or four weeks ago, an outdoor happy hour, um, in which they had nearly 40 people attend. And these are people, by the way, Susan, that are coming that don't know anybody at these events. Right. Maybe one or two bring a friend, but again, it just demonstrates I yearn for connection. I'm willing to risk and and feel vulnerable by coming to an event that I know nobody at. I, you know, I don't even know if I would do that. <laughs> you know, I just don't have the personality. So it's been it's been crazy. Well, it's actually really incredible. I mean, I I put on events uh, and know it's usually very hard to get to pe- people to come, especially if there's that vulnerable aspect. If you're coming and it, and it's centered around a difficult topic, people say they'll come, but actually showing up is is a different matter. Whereas you guys have the opposite problem. You can't get this organized or hold the events fast enough for all the people who want to attend. So, you know, what, let's, let's back it up a bit and think about when you started doing the events in Tulsa, your, your organic original events, what were you doing? Well, uh, and, and you have to throw COVID into all this. So, um, you know, initially, at this time, the restaurants and the bars are, were fairly open. This was, you know, probably 60 days ago. We decided that happy hour would probably be a good event to make it easy. Um, we did it during the work week because we didn't want it to occur on a Friday or Saturday where people, you know, there's going to be a certain subset of people that may drink a little bit too much. Where if it's a work week, you're going to come in, maybe have a couple drinks, mingle, and then leave. So, um, we, we had those uh, every other week. We've had about four or five. Um, and we're trying to find safe places because we've grown so much, you know, with COVID, where, where there's outdoor seatings and, and, you know, there are restaurants that are conducive to, you know, the, the distance, distancing and all that. Um, and so a lot of it has been geared around those type of events. But I'm very... I'm, I'm cautious about focusing entirely on um, events that where alcohol is a big piece of it because a lot of divorces, alcoholism is a prevalent issue and it a lot of times has broken up marriages. And so we have now, over that course of time, we're do, we did hiking. We had a hiking event. We had about a half dozen people go. Um, we have a lot of people that are now going to church together, which that's an interesting concept because there's a lot of people that say, I'm scared to death or I'm, I don't want to go to church by myself and sit next to nobody. And so um, if there's an opportunity where I can come sit with your group, I want to come. And so we're having a lot of people that are wanting to go to, to church events. And, you know, we're thinking about like cooking classes and book clubs and all sorts of ideas that have kind of emerged. And really a lot of it is coming from the community saying, 
Can we do this? Can we do that? Um, the most rewarding aspect of this is we have these big events and people build friendships. And then I see on Facebook these little events that these people are doing that are non-sponsored by what we're doing. I love that because that's what we're trying to create. Yeah. And last week, for example, we had a, there was a group of like five or six women that had a girls night out and they were, they all met at one of our events. They'd never known each other before and met. And now they're going to do things um, as a, as a friend group. And so that's, that makes me feel really good to see that those type of things kind of spawn off. Yeah, well, you know, what it sounds like people are doing is they're making friends, right? right. They're coming. And, and you know, maybe what this goes back to, and I think you said this, this earlier, when people get divorced, the first thing most of them will start to do is date. They throw themselves into the dating pool thinking, well, if I fill the whole of the relationship in my life, that usually then brings the friends because the new, the new significant other has friends and it brings the new friend group. And what you've sort of done is turned that around and maybe in a really healthy way because how many people do we know who get into a relationship right after a marriage ends or there's a separation and and it's a rebound type of a situation or or they haven't had enough time to really get into the right frame of mind to be in a relationship. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, Fair. There are other apps out there, but Fair is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court, and there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com, and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Daniel Harold, co-creator of Divorced Over 40, helping you find your tribe after divorce. If there's a message that I could portray, it's that, look, we want, we definitely want more men to participate. We want more men to be vulnerable about the things that they've experienced through their separation, divorce, after the divorce, how they healed. You know, we're, we're very, we try to keep things on the positive of how are people coming out of a divorce um, with some sort of positive message. If you are enjoying this episode, check out What Do Kids Really Think About Divorce? A conversation with award-winning filmmaker Ellen Bruno and the impact of her film, Split. 
Divorce is a monumental thing in a child's life, even in the best of circumstances. Um, in the most um, cooperative parents, it's still a major life shift that kids need to make sense of in order to move forward. And now we return to today's show. No, you nailed it. Uh, I think that's that's probably the message that I try to convey the most is focus on, focus on a better you and then go and look for your partner or, or for that relationship. And a lot of times, like you said, it's reverse and it ends up being a rebound or something that's very toxic and it discourages a lot of men and women in dating in general. And, you know, I think that by focusing on self-care, by focusing on creating friendships, taking the pressure off of dating and finding that next person for you, all of a sudden the, that that's going to happen more organically because you're not always focused on it. And I would, you know, I envision and I see that there's probably going to be a lot of relationships that will spawn off of this because that isn't the primary focal point. It's all about friendships. Well, it isn't. I mean, that's, which is perfect, right? Because we, we really, the best relationships are the ones where we're happy with ourselves. And then we find someone who's happy with the life and with who we are when we're happy. That's right. Um, it's trying to fill that hole in your life with someone else that generally leads to just another failure. That's why, you know, divorce rates, unfortunately, for second and third marriages are much higher than they are for first marriages. I think it's 67% for second marriages and over 75% for third marriages and above. So, you know, this this sounds like not only is it reversing sort of that pattern in a very positive way, but it's you're giving people a safe place to come and make friends. Um, And they all know everybody is sort of in that same place where they, they have space in their life for a new friend group. We've had to, we've had to guide people, you know, because I think, you know, there's going to be people that may have a different motive for coming to these type of events than others. I would generally say that the women really come seeking connections, both of other like other women, but as well as men, the men are a little bit different. It's a little bit of a mixed bag where people, you know, there's either guys that are coming in there to find people to date or there's guys that are really coming in there uh, with the intended purpose. And we're very, very, very explicit when we set up these events to say, this is not a dating mixer. This is not a place where you're going to go get phone numbers and ask people out. Um, don't come if if that's what you want to do. And so, you know, you can't you can't control it. But so far, so good. I think everybody knows what the mindset is. And what it does is it makes, particularly on the female side, it's then a safe place to come. They don't feel like they're going to be, um, there's going to be predators there or guys that are going to be overly aggressive and their guard's going to be a little bit down. And then they get to, you know, display their personality because they're not kind of nervous and anxious and defensive, so to speak. Right. Well, and everyone gets to be themselves. That's right. Um, like we are, we hopefully with our friends. Um, one of the things I wonder, because I, I always I do watch the feed now, divorced over forty, um, and I've seen some of the pictures from some of the events, and I have to say, it's you usually in the middle of a bunch of very pretty <laughs> ladies. Um, everyone looks like they're having a wonderful time. Is, is there a disproportionate number of women versus men? I'm just wondering if this is something that men find a hard, still 
to be harder, even in this more open atmosphere? It, it is. I would say um, our account, the Instagram account, if you look at the analytics, it's probably a 70% women, 30% men. And I would say the events are probably similar in proportion. We're trying to get that more balanced out, but um, you know, I don't know if it's a function of guys just not wanting to um, expose themselves or be vulnerable because that's not manly to do. Um, or you know, I haven't quite nailed um, why they wouldn't participate in these type of events, but um, it's something that we're really trying to build and grow the male side of the coin, so to speak, but it is mostly female dominated for sure. Well, but I think putting the word out or talking about it like this is one way um, for men who might hear this podcast to hear, hey, this is a great event to come to or one of these events to come to because there is none of that societal pressure. This is intended for people who are roughly in the same place in life to get together and make friends where appropriate. You're exactly right. I remember our third happy hour, I went up to the bar to get to get a drink, and there was a gentleman there, and he said, we all had name tags. That was one of the things that we kind of uh, added because there were so many people. We were like, who's with the group and who isn't? And he said, you, are you guys like, is this a corporate event? And I said, no, we're actually, you know, we're all divorced. We're in our 40s and 50s, and we've started to put together little events to where we can make friends. He's like well, I'm 40, over 40, and I'm I'm divorced. And I was like, well, come join us. Come on in. Next thing you know, I see him taking pictures of, like, everybody. He's, like, out there. You know, the women are giving him the, the cameras to take pictures of the of them in, in groups. So, um, yeah, I think that if there's a message that I could portray, it's that, look, we want – we definitely want more men to participate. We want more men to be vulnerable about the things that they've experienced – through their separation, divorce, after the divorce, how they healed. You know, we're, we're very, we try to keep things on the positive of how are people coming out of a divorce um, with some sort of positive message. Um, you know, kind of the against all odds or, you know, everybody hits their low point and then how long does it take to get out of it and, and what do they do to get out of it? And so um, to the extent we can get more men to participate and I can vocalize that, then we'd love to do that. Yeah, well, and that message that you just gave right there, right? You will come out of it, and here's one way to come out of it, community, finding your community, finding the friends. And the other thing that comes out of divorced over 40 that I think is really interesting is the over 40 aspect of it, because I think that has to play into this as well. Um, You know, I've been a divorce attorney. Actually, today is my 31st anniversary of getting sworn in as an attorney. So I've been doing this for a good long time. Um, And so I've had clients across the spectrum of ages. I've had people as young as in their teens, and I've had, I had one pair of clients in their 90s. Um, But there is a difference, I think, to getting divorced at 30 and getting divorced over 40, 50, 60, or beyond in that your your current social group, even the ones that you still have, and you're right, you lose friends when you get divorced. But I remember when I got divorced in my early or well, mid-30s, most of my friends weren't married. Right. 
and so it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't have a group of friends. My group of friends, they were single anyway. I just was getting back into that single thing with them. Whereas 40s, 50s, and beyond, you often find that most of your friends are paired off, and they've been paired off for a long time. No, you're exactly right. And a lot of the, when you think about just the dating aspect component of being divorced, a lot of the online apps really don't do a really good job um, catering to the 40 and 50-year-old community at all. And it is challenging because a lot of us have teenage kids, you know, in most cases, some are, are just getting into the empty nester phase. We're at the peak of our careers in many cases. So we're very busy at work. We're dealing with, you know, our kids, trying to get them off into college. And we're just, we're busy. And it's hard to carve off time during during that period of our lives to um, fulfill ourselves, whether it's a passion, a hobby, or a connection. And so we just kind of have to fit that in and, um, you know, it's re- and a lot of people are like, well, if they lose their friends, they're like, well, where do I go make friends? I mean, where, uh, do I just go up, go to a bar or a restaurant and sit down at the bar and start? I mean, it's, there's not a lot of ways to facilitate um, people at our age in making friends, frankly, of all ages. But I think it's exacerbated a little bit for us in, in ways that we can create those friendships. And so if we can create that forum it makes it really easy. Okay, I know on this date, I'm going to come and there's going to be 50 people that are in the exact same boat as I am. And I, I have an opportunity to make friends. Um, then we're going to do it. And we love doing it. Yeah, well, and clearly they're going to do it. Um, they, they're coming. They're doing it. You've had um, actual events in how many cities now? Well, we've, we've had actual events in, in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And interestingly enough, we've had a lot of the Oklahoma City people come to our Tulsa events, which is about two hours. So they drive two hours for the event. Obviously Um, worth it. Right. And then Chicago, you know, a lot of cities have different COVID restrictions. And, um, you know, there's lots of people, even in Tulsa and Oklahoma City, that are, you know, very cautious and they don't want to participate right now. We get that. Um, Chicago, for example, we have two young ladies that are now our city ambassadors, we, they're kind of our points of contact, people that want to kind of jumpstart the effort in the city. And um, due to the Chicago restrictions, they decided, well, let's just have a virtual happy hour, which a lot of people are doing. And they had, like, you know, I think a half dozen people in their first virtual happy hour. And, you know, it, it's starting to build. So, and everybody's kind of starting to think about those type of events. So it's it's going to, we're drinking out of a fire hose right now. It's going to, it's going to, uh, the event piece of it is a whole other challenge of trying to communicate it and make sure everybody knows what it is, where it is. Um, and I expect that we're going to have a lot more to come in the next 60 to 90 days. Yeah, well, that's, and that was one of, going to be my next question. If people wanted to know when there was going to be a virtual event or when you're having another event in Tulsa or Oklahoma City, how would they know? We have great question, something that we're working on to, to provide a better platform to educate people on our events. But if we have a a Facebook page called Divorced Over 40, and in there we have our calendar of events. And so anything that's being added in any city, we're going to drive from from, uh, that particular website or that Facebook page. Um, Ultimately, we'll have a website. You'll be able to go and click which city and what events, but right now it's all being driven from Facebook. 
Okay. So, and they can follow you also on Instagram, on Facebook, and you're just getting the landing page, I think you said, for the for the website going? It's there. It's already there. Um, I've been working on it. I'm definitely not a website expert, but yes, we have, it's just divorcedover40.com, divorcedover40.com. And one of the things that I love is talk about a grassroots, you know, campaign or, or, you know, effort. You mentioned that someone in Oklahoma City who's in marketing has reached out to you guys to help you. She happens to be divorced herself and over 40 and just loves what you're doing and wants to help you. So maybe there's a webmaster out there. Anyone who would like to help the divorced over 40 web page. Especially because I'm not making any money doing this. Well, that's, I mean, another point that I think is important here for people to know. You guys are doing this. You started doing this for for yourselves and for others. And that's what I always think makes something successful is when you are doing something to help others, which is goes right back to that blog post and why you started Divorced Over 40 on Instagram in the first place. You wanted to let other people know they weren't alone, maybe. We do, and that's that's where our all three all the hearts are of all the co-creators is how can we provide content that's meaningful, that validates uh, everyday people, but we're also trying to throw in their experts like yourself. You've been a feature um, blog. You've posted on our website. We've got a couple of divorce coaches, one in Houston, one in Tulsa. We have a sex therapist that, um, you know, that's a whole other broad discussion when you get in your 40s and 50s. Um, so we have someone that provides that. So we're trying to layer it with uh, true experts as well as the everyday man and woman and what we're experiencing. I think it's a good combination. Yeah, no, I and I'm very excited to be one of the experts. From that aspect of, you know, I try to put up a message forth that goes sort of to the core of your Instagram post of divorce doesn't have to be the worst experience of your life, nor of your entire family's life. You can restructure in a more respectful and positive way. So I'm always happy to be putting that message out as well. Um, So let's give a little shout out to your co-creators because I know you have a few. Yes. So one of them and all three of us are regular posters. We all provide our content. As a matter of fact, Julie um, just recently posted today, but Julie Lucas is one of the um, women that's one of the co-creators, and then Amy Green is the other. And I've literally known them. Uh, our website started hundred a little over 110 days is when we started this initiative, and I've known them maybe 30 to 60 days prior to that. So these are all um, brand-new fostered friendships that just kind of decided to collaborate together. It made it a lot of fun. It's an amazing effort and the success in such a rapid period of time, I really you know, know it means that you are connecting with people and you're filling a need that people have and that is to not be alone. And I'm so happy to be able to let people know what you're doing. I hope that listeners are going to reach out, follow you on Instagram, follow you on uh, Facebook, but also reach out and help with the effort. That's This is an effort that's led by the people who are making the effort. So um, I hope love, people reach out. Uh, your point, we'd love to have, we, you know, we call them city ambassadors because they're ambassador for the cause. We thought that was kind of catchy. And we would love to have people, regardless of the size of your city, I'm telling you, you can do this in a very small town, even if it's just a handful of people. Um, And so, yes, we'd love to have 
I'd love 60 days from now to be able to have well over 100 cities represented where people have raised their hand and said, you know, I want to copy and paste what you're doing. And they're starting to, to put forth, you know, that, those type of efforts. So, well, well, we'll give an update in a couple of months because yeah, in just <laughs> a month, you no, no, we'll definitely have you back on and we'll be talking about this. I want to hear that you're international, just not national. And I suspect since you've got Madrid and London who've been dialing in, you're already there anyway. But Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and for letting everyone know what you're doing and for what you're doing. Because I, I know that this is going to be something that is really going to, you know, help people feel connected and find new friends. And, and, you know, my whole purpose in Divorce and Beyond is that life beyond divorce can be wonderful. This is a huge aspect of that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me a forum to kind of tell our story. I appreciate that. And I'm going to have everything in the show notes, but I encourage everyone divorced over four zero. So that's, it's divorced over four zero. So go check it out and uh, make sure that you reach out and let us know. And Daniel will come back on in a few months. So if you have any questions for him or anything, just reach out to Susan at divorceinabetterway.com or divorceandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And we'll ask him those questions when he comes back. So thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.